Mike. Camera. Action. The best thing for you to do is find some nice, dark, quiet place and just die. Just die. What do you think I've got cunt written on my forehead? Maybe you're right. I mean, we all gotta die sometime, right? We all gotta die sometime. So I'll just die. What the f- Welcome back to Filmography, the show dedicated to watching every credited film from an actor's complete back catalogue, from past debut through to present day, in chronological order. Each episode, I'm joined by an esteemed guest to watch and discuss the next entry from the Focus Filmography, and consider how it ranks amidst their career, and whether we can trace any typecasting trends or topic traits or theatrical ticks. For episode 15, I'm joined by self-proclaimed super dummy but actual, super smart, super creative, and super generous Paul to discuss the 15th big screen appearance of the state in the anarchic, equal opportunities offending action of Crank. We watch, you listen, and hopefully watch along too. So, Paul, thank you very much for joining me for your first, but definitely not only, appearance. <laughs> um, and particularly because I've been on your show a couple of times, so it's so nice to come back, get you on as a guest this time, hear a bit more of you yeah absolutely no thank you very much for having me on i do feel like calling me super smart was possibly <laughs> you know setting the bar a bit high for this one um but you know we'll, we'll see how it goes i do yeah i really appreciate you uh you having me on especially for this film because i jumped in there quite quick mm. and i imagine there's quite a few people in the team who were probably cursing my name a little bit after that one because this is this is one of the group's favorites i think if i can sure. put it out there yeah you know putting some waving some flags early on there but yeah i think some people were cursing my name so i do appreciate you having me on 
Well, it's also one of the state's favourites as well. It's one of the few he lists as like among his very favourites that he's done in his career. So you're in good company. He he feels the same. You can you can see why. I imagine this is probably one of those like one of those projects you do in your life mm. where you're like, yeah, I had a good time there. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I watched a few behind the scenes interviews, and um, yeah, he had a set. You could tell he had like a. A rollicking good time on this because of his penchant for like doing his own stunts and just getting stuck in and getting involved he's been able to do that in a few mm. of his films before but it feels like this is this is probably the film that's really helped push him on to that that next phase of his career i would have said yeah i would say so it's one of those weird films you if you look at it in sort of the list of films he's done it's probably on surface looks like a bit of an anomaly mm. but when you watch it and when you sort of yeah you see the way that he really got involved in it this is probably one of those that has put him in front of the right type of people for his career and also probably given him a lot of confidence mm. which you know you know you you need to be able to say to yourself i've done this well i can put my name forward for these other things and say you know I can do this. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the transporter one and two he's been in where he's been the action star, but this is like, this is the stage, like front and center in every scene, like every episode we've spoken already about how like charismatic he is and how he's got good chemistry with people and like you're magnetically kind of drawn to him on screen. And mm. I think all of that's true in, in virtually every role he's done up until now. But this really is, it's like the amalgamation of of everything he's already done, but everything he could possibly do in the mm. future. And I, I do think probably this more than anything is the film that got him on Stallone's radar as well. Oh, good, yeah. I would say so. Like, this is, as I say, it's like one of those, it's in a list and you go, like, oh, okay. But mm. it's probably one of those that in the industry, a lot of people looked at and went, oh, you know, wish I could make a film like that. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's it's cheap, right? It's twelve yeah. million budget. It did well financially. I think it did forty-two mm. uh, million. So, very financially successful. But it truly is a kind of one of a kind, unique movie in terms of the way it was made. In terms of, you know, actually in production. In terms of the yeah. goal of what it's trying to do. In terms of the absolute, I don't give a fuck. That is definitely going on in this film by everybody. Oh god, yeah, yeah. I, they walked into work every morning, going, "What chaos can we cause today? What mm. can we do today?" <laughs> Absolutely, and they did right. I mean, I don't know how much of the behind-the-scenes stuff you've looked at, but like Neville Dean and Taylor, or Neville Dean slash Taylor, as they like mm. to be at this point in their career, they're really just two guys who come from an advertising background and just. This is their debut doing whatever they wanted. They were like, yeah. they had a high def digital camera each. They would just go out and guerrilla film make. So they weren't getting permission for doing half the stuff. They were just on roller skates, I read, like half the time. So they could get that <laughs> movement in, in the camera. So yeah, it really was a case of like down and dirty, like indie yeah. filmmaking. It's almost but, like, here you go. I was just going to say, it's almost like, you know, a couple of, film students who have had their best dreams come true. They're, 100%. Because as you say, you know, they're a directing team, but mm. they also 
you know, they have, they obviously each day they have a plan. This is the shots that we're going to do. But yeah, from what I read, they would have two individual cameras. They would basically be doing their own thing. Mm. And then they would just stitch it together at the end. Be like, what, what did we do best? Which one of us worked this out the best? Mm. Okay, put it in, done. Yeah, I think one was doing like close-ups, weren't they? And one was mm. doing like wide shots. You're absolutely right from what I read as well. And, it, and then they just decided, yeah, which shots work best, what was right for that moment. I love that idea that just, it, it's so such an antithesis to the usual filmmaking protests that we hear about. You hear about people like David Fincher and Michael Mann and, I, and, and you know, back to Kubrick. And I know they're very particular types of filmmakers, but their meticulous nature and their precision is what we kind of envision when it comes to filmmaking. Mm. Even Spielberg, who's totally different to those guys, his like storyboarding and his previs and this is real, like, as you said, grab a camera, put the skates on, fuck it, let's go. <laughs> What's going to happen today? Great. Yeah. You know, the other side of it, it must have been quite frustrating at times being on set, not knowing what's going to happen. But also, I imagine, you know, after a few days, a few weeks of that, you're probably quite freeing for like the people involved. Mm. You know, there's a scene I read, you know, jumping ahead ever so slightly, there's the scene with the hiccups. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And apparently, you know, completely natural. She just Mm. got the hiccups and just went with it. (laughs) Okay. Definitely. I do wonder how much was improvised. I was thinking it on the watch this time. Little moments stood out, like when um, we'll, well, we will jump all over the place. It doesn't matter. When the Stath is in uh, the Stath, when the Stath Chev Chelios, <laughs> I always do it. When the Stath, because he is just the Stath, he, he, when he's yeah. in the hospital and he's in his gown yeah. and he's stomping around. And what I love in this film is like, I do think this character and this like role and this scenario that, that Chev Chelios is in is just perfect. The Stafe has such mm. a particular like strut and the way he yeah. holds his body and his gait, he's very like, it makes me think of the Hulk at times. Like the way he like mm. broad shoulders and he like leans forward and he's like hunched. And he's like, Ooh. it's so perfect for Chev in this movie because it's all about aggression and moving forward, isn't it? Yeah. But there's that scene in the hospital and he's like barging around trying to find the epinephrine or epinephrine, I think. And he barges past like an old dude. And obviously that's an actor. I understand it's an extra but he knocks over his IV. And I was just mm. like, it just felt really organic. Like in that moment, it was like, yeah, that's what I would do. I'm get past this old idiot. And I'm going to, just little moments like that stood out this time of like, I feel like this is what character do and I'm going to have fun with it and would tie into the ethos of the filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, there's a lot of like, yeah, as you say, the little bits that people do without really thinking it's quite hard to write that in. Like, obviously, mm. some of the, that's what makes some of the greats great because they can write that in. They know what the little quirks that people do as they're going around. Mm. But also, it's hard to do it. And one of the easiest ways to do it is to just make all your cast feel relaxed enough to just do whatever they feel like they should be doing or want to do. Or, you know, if you're in this situation, you know, I mean... If you are in a situation, God help you. But you know, how would you react? Yeah, <laughs> and it's so freeing, and you can you can see it in those little actions. And in it, the person that's the person, the people that sprung to mind when you said that is the Karen brothers, because mm. they literally write every like mm, and, and <laughs> they supposedly rumors are to be believed. They write all of that into the script, and they ask their actors to meticulously like re- read that script yeah. back with all the pauses and all the 
all the like the nuanced delivery i think is all kind of pre-prepared for the actors before they get there i was just trying to think because i've heard that about someone else but it's actually aaron sorkin mm, okay when he writes a script that mm-hmm. is the exact way he expects it to come out of your mouth sure like to the point of there's been like <laughs> there's been spelling mistakes in his scripts and they've had to go through a process of going back to him and double checking <laughs> if that's actually a spelling mistake uh, or yeah just what you said there reminded me of that i heard people say that about him but yeah you know some people they can just do it and it, again that must be an actual nightmare mm. in some ways and i can imagine that's true for sorkin actually with his you know <laughs> the wordsmith that he is and that everyone heralds him as i can see that yeah yeah why say one thing when you can say 20. sure not a lot of that going on here no no i think i i yeah i wrote it down it says uh there was five minutes it took for jason statham to actually say his first word oh wow okay five minutes i mean not chatty (laughs) no (laughs) although i do like when he's with eve with um amy smart's character you were talking about before and she's got the hiccups he does wonderful code switching when he talks to her because he is proper like oh i'm jason statham the whole movie (laughs) And then when he talks, so he's like, hi, darling. Um, I'm just on my way over. I do. I think that's really nicely played, yeah. those scenes. Those are so well done. And, that, and again, it makes it more natural because, you know, you're really angry at someone, but you also really love them. Mm. It's like, yes, hello, darling. <laughs> yes, yes. Would you just, yes. Okay, yes. We'll be right there. <laughs> yeah, amazing. And there was one word that was used a lot. Did you read this? How many fucks there were in the movie? Oh, I did read it. I didn't write it down there. Go on, give it a guess. Oh, a hundred and something or other. Hundred and hundred and fifty-eight. Oof. Okay, hundred was close. I read it was eighty-three. Oh. Which I'm not sure where that is in the pantheon of the most fucks, but that's probably quite a lot for an eighty-minute movie. Yeah. No, one per minute. Especially with that, you know how little words there are in some parts of it. You know, that is Percentage true. of words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's probably the way to work this out, actually. If it was Sorkin's movies, doesn't matter because... No, exactly. It's 83 amongst 80,000. Here it's 83 amongst 500. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but well used. Absolutely, yeah. So you were familiar with Crank, obviously, because you've seen it and you want mm-hmm. to be the man to get in first to discuss it here. <laughs> How many of um, the state's other movies do you think you've seen? Well, I was wondering this because running theme, running joke for anyone who's heard anything I've ever done. Hmm. uh, My memory is absolutely shocking, like utterly shocking. So I got the list up that you initially sent out because I know you said there's a few like IMDb. There's a lot of weird ones on there. Mm -hmm. So I reckon of the 40 odd that you've put on the list. I reckon I'm seeing about 20. Sure. Which surprised me. I thought I'd seen more, but a lot of that is I got, shall we say, exhausted by Mm. Fast and Furious. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I haven't seen the later ones of them. So that knocks out a good chunk of chunk of those films. I like you said about exhaust there as well very nice i'll pretend that was on purpose (laughs) (laughs) sure of course it does and i think there is a passage which i haven't got to yet where it does become a little bit one note i think is probably the way i'm going to put it i mean Mm. maybe i'm going to find out i'm wrong but it does become not quite kind of you know 
Nick Cage, Bruce Willis, John Cusack levels of just turning up and getting the paycheck. I don't mean that, but he does fall into a nice pattern for a little while of just making kind of mid-range action thrillers that mm. perhaps are some of the ones, I, obviously I don't know your full 20, but maybe they're some of the ones which you sort of passed you by or you thought, yeah, I've seen that movie already before or... Yeah, that that sounds about right. There's, there is a bit of a, like the first few, it's, I mean, you've talked about it before, but there is like, there's a peak really early on. Mm. You know, the first few definitely seen and then that, you know, bounces around a bit and then we come up again for cranks. But there is definitely a time around here where it, you know, it fades out a bit. Yeah. Um, and it's actually interesting seeing the list on IMDb because it, obviously it lists the years and stuff mm. and on Wikipedia as well. And it around this time, just after crank, there's a big chunk of like getting these out quite quickly after each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and that may be, you know, that may be a result of this kind of thing. Like people were going, Oh yeah, he's on the casting list. Let, let's bring him in. Yeah. You know, he's, he's applied, chuck him in there, you know, cause there's, the time that some of these things take to go through. Mm. I mean, I wonder prior to this, you know, maybe he'd applied to loads of different films and he came out on this and then suddenly he got a spurt of, yeah, we'll have you on. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this is 2006, mm. but the last four movies I did. So my last eight weeks, cause I do one every fortnight was all from 2005. So you're quite right. Like how many of those are like London have probably been sitting on a shelf for a couple of years and mm. that, whether it is that because suddenly Transporter hit big. So, oh, yeah. okay, well, Statham's name's out there now. So let's get London out. Yeah, I think that probably is definitely is a case and explains why you might get this kind of batch coming together. Yeah, because I, I imagine like all our friends out there who are in the business, <laughs> I imagine there's... um. A certain point where you're just applying for anything and everything yeah you know and that's i mean that's the way of any job really isn't it when you first get started or when you're trying to make your, a name for yourself you apply for everything and anything um and then you do start making you know a name for yourself in one way or another and then suddenly people get interested mm. yeah and i think we're definitely about to hit that mm. we're definitely about to hit a rise we've had a bit of a lull recently with chaos and london and mm. But I think we're about to have a bit of a rise again where people see what he's capable of doing and they want to keep employing him to do it, basically. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you can't blame him. No. And you can't blame him either. And again, I've said it before, and I'm in danger of these episodes just getting very, very repetitive, but (laughs) I do love the fact, and you see it in interviews, he just, I love what I do. So why would I complain? Like, you know, somebody might say, well, this movie is a bit like this one you did before. And he's like, yeah. I had a great time making this movie and I had a great time making that one. So what's your, what's your point? Yeah, I exactly. just think he's just so happy. It's, it's nice to see. One day I want him to turn around to the interviewer and be like, yeah, well, this interview is quite like the one you did with the other person <laughs> yeah, two sure. weeks ago. So what's your excuse? <laughs> yeah. Good point. I've never thought of that before. Absolutely. Especially on these junkets, these guys have to do. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Go into every interview with the same 10 questions and then mm. hope, you know, you pick out, different highlights from each of them so it doesn't look the same each time yeah 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 nice we should be i mean if he was on social media which he's not i don't think sadly that was something we should be sending his way yeah so i'll call him up there's a little free thing for you to say next time somebody gets cheeky 
yeah. absolutely <laughs> so what were you expecting this time how much of the film could you remember not a lot according to your, your own self-description yep um i remembered how bonkers it was mm -hmm. that was my because i crank and crank two um i watched with a group of friends um it must have been around a year or two after crank 2 was released mm -hmm. and we happened upon the dvd of crank and then it was just like what the hell is this let's just watch this um and then we were all a bit open jaw by the end of it like, <laughs> what the hell were doing? <laughs> so that was that was the overriding memory i remembered some of the main beats of it um and yeah you know the the general plot line the ludicrous high concept that the whole thing is spun from yeah yeah exactly you know um which you know as i was saying beforehand you just copy paste into the second one and change one or two words it's mm -hmm. it's the speed school of doing a sequel it is yeah um i mean this is speed set within the human body isn't it really yeah basically <laughs> yeah you know don't slow down it's kind of the plot <laughs> It is. Well, whilst we're here, I, I, I'm going to do it to you, Paul. Oh. The plot of Crank. Go for it. So the plot of Crank. Man gets injected with Chinese poison. Chinese poison attaches itself to blood cells. He must keep his adrenaline high, otherwise his heart will give up. <laughs> <laughs> oh sure. and he also tries to enact revenge along the way mm -hmm. <laughs> and the various ways in which he will try and keep his heart rate up mm. and not die because as soon as he stops he dies yeah you know like a bus exploding it's just an absolute rampage isn't it <laughs> yeah, like through the city streets yeah. <laughs> yeah and i like the film calls it out a couple of times you get these like news reporters saying like the carnage that has been caused yeah. across la today by this one rampaging man it's it knows what it is and it just has fun with the concept doesn't it oh yeah it's so so self-aware mm. it knows it's utterly ridiculous mm -hmm. and it basically says to you right from the start we don't care mm. we're doing it anyway so get on board mm. otherwise you're not going to enjoy this <laughs> that is so true i'd forgotten that it opens like with point of view like first person mm. the movie opens doesn't it and he like kind of wakes up from his night sleep but also he, as he's unaware at that point been poisoned and then he watches a um video vhs like videotape doesn't he yeah a playback of the guy who poisoned him and i'd forgotten all of that but you don't actually see this data for a few minutes and as you said doesn't talk for for five minutes which is yeah. great but there is a scene kind of shortly after he watches it and he goes absolutely kind of bonkers ballistic doesn't he about what's going on with him he starts wrecking yeah. up his place there's like a heavy metal like explosion of music on the soundtrack that like filters all over the the, the camera work as freeze yeah. frames there's like it's a title like this is the film you're here for yeah if you're not in at this point you might as well turn off because it's <laughs> this is where we're starting and we're going up from here yeah it's like um what's it says it is it megan that said it that if things start really crazy <laughs> it's okay from there but if like halfway through they start getting crazy you're a bit like what's going on sure yeah this starts 
it doesn't forget starting at 11 this starts at 15. <laughs> sure yeah like right from the get-go this is you know there's no explanation well there is the explanation with the videotape but you know there's no slow build up to yeah what's happening it fills in the gaps later on and yeah i, I, I would have loved to have seen this in the cinema <laughs> yeah i didn't just either for, even yeah. just for the opening bit yeah it's like two minutes exposition isn't it it's not it's mm. not hanging around and then it's off yeah absolutely and it owns that idea of i mean it's it's not based on a computer game, obviously, but is it the best computer game movie? Because it really is like that, isn't it? It's like he's got levels to pass to get to the yeah. big bad at the end. Yeah, there's um, there's a few comments on various bits of the internet about, you know, the video games that it references. Mm. Some of some of those comments are intriguing, but you know, the the ending where it shows a video game. Sure it does kind of give away that this is what was on their mind but it really is you know as you say he's got to go through levels mm. it's the complete ridiculousness of everything from the start and probably the first the way that it starts in the first person view mm. like i don't know if you've seen the the doom film where they do that in there i have yeah with carl um, urban and and the rock yeah yeah and that you know there was sort of flashes of that obviously that was a lot of like was that a lot later I don't know in my memory. No, it feels like it'd be around the same time, actually. Yeah. Middle, um, yeah. So, yeah, the there was definite connections, mm. you know, and there's a few few places where they've got video game-related logos around, and at one point someone is just playing a video game in the mm. back of the car. Um, you can definitely see that they had their, their ideas set from various media, shall we say. Yeah, because they went on to make Gamer. I don't know if you've seen that with... I haven't. Um, Gerard Butler. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that that's quite good. But that is a literal like I think people are like plugged in and control. If I can remember this rightly, like you're the gamer and you're controlling me, but I'm a real person. But I've got to do how you're what you're telling oh, me right. to do and what you're controlling me to do. And it's like a live or die type situation. Oh, interesting. It doesn't I don't think it pulls off its high concept as well as this does. Because no. I think there's actually too there's too many moving parts of that for it to quite work. Hmm. Whereas here it's just, yeah, guy's poisoned, got to keep moving, or he'll die. Go. Hmm. It really is just that kind of wind up toy, isn't it? And off you go. Yeah, because uh, in theory you could you could make this film into that, like hmm. take out the bit at the beginning. Well, actually, in fact, leave the bit at the beginning in where he gets injected, and then at the end, rather than showing the bit about the video game, hmm. just pan out to show someone playing as Jason Statham. Yeah. That could work, you know, because it is, it's just the ridiculous guy goes on crazy spree, somehow lives. Yes. Which obviously <laughs> he has to live for there to be a sequel. <laughs> yeah. And it does that thing, which we will talk about, because you're coming back to do crank high voltage to do crank T. We will talk about, I guess, a bit more in depth there, but it does that whole yeah. like, ah, here's a line. Get on with the film, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. I, I'm quite here for that. That's all right. Yeah. And this film does, to jump right to the end, it does end with his with him like blinking and his heart still beating, doesn't it? Mm. So there is that hint that perhaps, despite what happens to him at the end of the movie, he may survive the events. Yeah. And, you know, just through everything, you, you're not surprised because he's managed to go through all of this. He's managed to 
be this many shootouts and mm. it just like a video game you go through all these shootouts and somehow the people's bullets don't quite <laughs> kill you and you know all these things happen you get into accidents and it just doesn't quite damage you the way you would expect mm. um yeah it's no surprise <laughs> no i'm not considering the success because we know any yeah anytime anything is a success people want to do more of it oh good yeah yeah I'm surprised there wasn't a free, but well, I think unfortunately the second one didn't do quite as well as they hoped. Oh, so whereas this one, you know, 30 million profit, which is pretty decent for mm. the, the size of a film, is I think the next one the budget went up, but the profits went down. So I think it still came out solvent, it still came out in the black, but comparatively, it didn't do as well. Yeah, yeah. that's sad. It is sad. Have you seen an old noir movie called DOA? heard of it i don't think i've seen it because that definitely must be an inspiration for this too because it's essentially the same plot a guy wakes up finds out he's got 24 hours to live and has to kind of solve the the case like who poisoned him and why okay. in that time but we, we have seen that kind of that idea being used so they've mm. definitely like melded like computer games and movies and like you said speed as well oh yeah and like run load of run i don't know if you've seen that movie as well yeah i love that film so they're definitely like they're in that and we are in the era really aren't we around here in the in the mid 2000s where like it's that meta melding pot of influences that people are putting together into their own new version yeah. of these things yeah and they're not you know they're not hiding away from it they're not shy about it no they're just saying like these are things we love we're gonna make our own film mm. stitch them all together don't give a damn about the world Let's see what we can make. Mm. Fair play to them. Absolutely. And I think because we discussed right at the top, the way they present the world is so unique. Mm. It doesn't matter that the beats are familiar and that their concept is familiar because the world they create is not in any way familiar. No. <laughs> Thankfully. If it is, if it is then uh, <laughs> let us know because um, I'm not sure what's going on with your no. life if it's familiar. So yeah, Chef finds out he's been poisoned. He dashes off. There's a really hilarious scene in a taxi when he's trying to keep his energy levels up and he gets the taxi driver to change the station. And it's, if I've got, is it Billy Ray Cyrus? I believe so. Oh, break my heart. Yes. Icky, bricky heart. Which is so um, on the nose that it shouldn't work, but it does. It does. It really does. It's just his reaction. It's not... Again, on the trivia page, I read that apparently he, he was concerned that he wasn't going to be funny enough for this film because oh, he's man. too straight-faced. Mm. But that is why it works. Agreed. That scene, if he did that in a way to be funny, mm. mm -hmm. it would be ridiculous. But he is just like, it's just like a man possessed in this crazy world. What the hell is happening to him? And he's just lost, losing the plot in front of you. Mm. basically <laughs> absolutely and the things that he i mean that's silly and fun and as you said i love that idea like it is playing it straight which makes it work which is why yeah. again well maybe he learns it here why again it works so well in spy mm. because i know you know we know how much Rhea loves that movie and she's excited to come on and discuss it <laughs> but um there he's playing it absolutely straight i don't know if that's one of the ones on the list that you have seen I have, but I remember that one even less than this one for some okay. reason. Okay, so he's like interesting watching that back, like a secret agent, but he like he just thinks he's the best and he's awful. 
It's like, I'll go right. into the face-off machine. And oh, just the way he talks is so funny in that. But because he believes in what he's saying, mm. and everyone else thinks he's a buffoon. And here, yeah, he believes in what he's doing in the moment, but the situation he in, he's in is so over the top yeah. that it, it, it makes it funny. I agree. Yeah. It's even like the, with the taxi cab, and he pulls up after all this has happened so far. You know, we're barely like 10 minutes in. <laughs> and the, the taxi driver knows there's something not right about this person. Sure. But Statham says, wait here for me. <laughs> And he does. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So that's when he goes to like, the biker bar, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's just waiting outside. Mm. I, again, that would be a line that you could just, you could say, stay here and play it funny. But the mm-hmm. fact that he was absolutely serious, my reaction was like, what? What are you talking about? This man is going to, yeah. the second you go inside, <laughs> he's off. Yeah. But he didn't. So, you know, I mean, I don't know what that says about the taxi driver. <laughs> Yeah, I think it says that he was in it for the money, right? Well, yeah, that's very true. Unfortunately, you know, he loses his living later on. Yeah. Not his life, just his living. Yeah. And I think this scene is really important for me because it's the first time when you realise, oh, okay, this is also like Matt Stone and Trey Parker. This is also like South Park. Like this is going to say and do what it wants and it doesn't care who it offends because it's a black biker bar and he's toughen up British white bald guy in there and he plays on the on the differences between them mm. and I can understand perhaps why it would offend some people but I think as the movie goes on and he offends everybody and the film mm. offends everybody with it you know you could argue it's racist it's homophobic it's um it's got Islamophobia in there yeah but I think it's not actually any of those things because it's all of them that makes sense yeah it it quite firmly puts its you know flag up straight away saying everyone is going to be offended by this and Mm. we don't really care it is is that south park thing you know Mm. we offend everyone um so nobody can be offended yeah yeah exactly and i think what's clever about it is that character chev chelios is using he's pushing people's buttons Mm. intelligently in order to get his own goal so he's being racial towards these people because he knows it will then start a fight because he needs that adrenaline. Later on with the taxi cab, there's the moment when he crashes and he when he throws the driver out, I think. And he starts saying, Al-Qaeda, Al-Qaeda. Yes. And all the patrons at the cafe start attacking the taxi driver, despite yeah. the fact Jason Statham is the one that's just driven the cab into them. And he's allowed to run away. Yeah. And Again, like that's so knowing. It's so knowing what it's doing. It's playing on, you know, we're only what five years out of nine yeah. eleven. If this is two thousand six, or if it's filmed a year before, four oh, years. Yeah. So it, it knows what it's doing. It's being the film is being clever through the character of Chercholios. He's being clever because he's using what he needs to 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 in the moment to get. I lost myself there. Yeah, he's using what he needs in the in the in the moments to, yeah, like I said, to to, to get his adrenaline or to get away. Yeah, yeah, it's like like in the um, in the bar, he rolls them up, he rolls them up, and then he sort of he does he does the coke off the floor. Nice, great, yeah, yeah, sanitary. Um, 
and then he realizes what he needs like this isn't doing it for me so <laughs> and he says i know what i need it's like what and then he just shouts who wants white meat yeah, yeah. and then starts you know starts the fight but then as soon as he's got his adrenaline up he just runs out in the cab mm. they're all chasing him and he just drives off like he doesn't take it any further than that mm. Like he's, he doesn't, it's one of the weird things about this film is all the destruction, all the people that die. I don't think he causes the death of anyone he didn't want to. Sure. Like there's no, there's no innocent deaths. <laughs> if I remember correctly, despite all the destruction and everything, as far as I can think of the only people that die are like the enemy as mm. it were again putting it in video game terms yeah. yeah yeah that's a good point because this is like the mall scene isn't there when he's driving the car very blues mm. brothers style through the mall but he's not like aiming for pedestrians in order to no. to get away it's all yeah you're right like the collateral damage is property rather than people yeah. isn't it yeah i don't yeah i think the gangbangers kill a couple of people mm -hmm. but he weirdly is very protective over not doing anything that he doesn't feel like he absolutely has to mm, mm -hmm. again which is just weird when you think about it in the setting of the film it's just yeah doesn't make sense but also fits perfectly yeah i guess fits with what we find out later on that he's yeah sort of lost his mojo being a hitman in that kind of tropey way that the reason this is all happening is because he decided not to do a hit yeah He's, he's going straight. He's leaving that life behind him. For the love of a good woman, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which, yeah. when it's Amy Smart, I totally get. Yeah. Yeah, I'd stop killing people. For, mm -hmm. You know, so far, I haven't stopped. But Hiccups and all. Because <laughs> the presentation of her character is really interesting, isn't it? She's kind of, again, very broad and very stereotypical in the kind of ditzy yeah. girlfriend mould. Oh, I didn't realize my boyfriend was a hitman. And like, oh, I've dropped my handbag of my stuff. And he's in the background yeah. having a big fight. Bullets going off around her. She's not noticing. She's too busy putting her makeup back in her bag. Yeah, exactly. But it feels, again, too deliberate not to be purposeful. Yeah. There are, yeah, there is a, quite a few points in there where it's like, I, you, as a person, as a human being, you don't really make sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're kind of just filling a need. In mm. a lot of ways, um, there's yeah, there's a few points with the the handbag. A couple of times it happens, like they've yeah. had a. She's in the middle of a massive gunfight, and they climb down the stairs, and then drops the bag. And what's it? She says, "Oh, I haven't taken my birth control today." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what? That doesn't even make sense. It doesn't, <laughs> but it will do later. Yes. <laughs> hint, hint. Nudge, nudge. Yes. <laughs> Well, I guess, again, if we come back to the computer game trope, she's an NPC, I suppose, isn't she? She's just, yeah. so she doesn't need any more than that surface broad, broad level characterization. I think the actress brings more to it in what she can do with the, the time she's got. Yeah. I think she's very winning and it makes sense that Chavchalos would want to change his life for her. Mm. But I think that's in her performance rather than in the writing. Yeah, definitely. The The writing for her was, I think that was the only thing that really I kind of bumped on was mm. a lot of some of the things that she was saying. It just, 
it was like yes this is a bonkers film a lot of it doesn't make sense but yeah it is that at some point you're not even human i don't like and yeah maybe they were going for this npc kind of vibe but it was so much more than any of the other characters mm. there were a few times when i was like i yeah this just is weird I guess she's the only character that we focus on in the film that's outside of Chev's world, doesn't she, as well? Mm. Everybody else who is a character is either a gangster or involved or like the doctor is Chev's doctor that he goes to. And mm. I can't fly for me to remember now the name of the character who he keeps relying on, the guy from Napoleon Dynamite. Uh, Kalo. Uh, Kalo, yeah. Kalo, yeah. So Kalo is kind of like a like an assistant or, a, or like a man. He's a man on the street, isn't he? He's yeah. ear to the ground. So all these people who are characters in inverted quotes, all are in the life. So again, maybe that's why. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, yeah. It it makes sense, but it also, I don't know. I don't know if they just went one small step too far with it. Sure. Um. Yeah, that handbag really annoyed me. <laughs> Speaking of one step too far, through a twenty twenty two lens. Yes. How do you feel about the sex scene? Yeah. Hmm. Not great. No. Not so great. He's. This is much later on in the movie. We're probably about halfway through now, aren't we? But to be fair, it's like yeah, this scene doing so. this, this scene doing that, and he's. After getting in a couple of fights and go through the car chase, he does go to get Eve, doesn't he? Because he becomes aware that they're going to go after her. Yeah. So he goes to rescue her. And as you said, there's the, the shootout and then at, at, down the fire escape and then the scuffle and then they get away. And they go for something to eat, don't they? Because he's still yeah. trying to keep everything from her at this point. Well, this is where he reveals to her, doesn't he, that he's a hitman over dinner where yeah. she has the hiccups. Yeah. But um, shortly after that, they leave and his adrenaline's dropping right down again, isn't it? Because they've gone sedate, they've gone static. Yeah. And he realizes one way that he could get it up again would be to. So to speak. Yeah. Well, yeah. And all manners <laughs> would be to have sex with Eve in public, which, yeah, is really. I get what they were going for. Mm. And she is ultimately consensual eventually yes that's the problematic part isn't it yeah there is that no means no going on at the start yeah because she says no a few times yeah physically tries to get away from him yeah he keeps dragging her back and then all of a sudden she gets angry with him understandably mm-hmm. gives him a wallop yeah and then all of a sudden is like oh i'm so sorry kind of turns her on a bit yeah, climbs on top of him. It's like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And then all of a sudden, it's mm. the mood changes. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, problematic is, well, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It wasn't a comfortable it? watch. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Because also, then you, and it, this is where then I think they start, I'm not excusing it. And, and you said it perfectly well, perfectly there. That sense of like, she says no a few times. There's definitely that like, that's what makes it really uncomfortable. Yeah. Then I think they start to kind of own the scene and know what they're doing. They get back to the crankness of it. And yeah. it's like a, a bus full of like 
Chinese schoolgirls in school uniform are then watching and they're all going like, ooh. Like yeah. that is also distasteful, but as in the realms of crank distastefulness. Yeah. And then later on, when they're in another car chase and she decides to give him a blowjob in the car, mm. I think, again, they here has been very deliberate and has been written, written, and I'm going to say written and well, both in quote marks, <laughs> that she kind of, and again, quote marks, gets her revenge, doesn't she? She's given him a blowjob and he's really enjoying it. And then yeah. she stops before he finishes. And I wrote the line down because I thought it was brilliant the way that she delivered it as well. She was like, what? I let you fall asleep like you always do. Yeah, that was a great line. So it doesn't excuse it, but I think that no moment is really misjudged. Yeah. But then I think they kind of find their cranky rhythm again afterwards. Yeah. When she, I mean, that's the thing, it's agency. She has agency over what she's doing and she has control and she's making the decisions as well. Yeah, that's important. I like that word, yeah. But in that first bit, she has no agency. Like, it's what he wants and then that's it. Mm. And then all of a sudden, because, you know, she's a ditzy blonde, mm -hmm. slaps him and goes, oh, no, what have I done? And all of a sudden, you know, it all suddenly changes. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, if they had played it slightly differently and she, it wasn't a no, no, it was like, what do you mean here? Yeah. And then she sort of gets into it in her own way rather than being dragged into it, kicking mm. and screaming. Quite literally. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, it's, it is just that first bit. Like the second bit, as you say, it's, you know, that is with the film, you know, it makes sense with the film, mm. but otherwise it's no, it just doesn't, it, it feels off. It feels again, it feels like they've, I don't know if maybe there was a conversation off screen about, you know, the way that she's been portrayed, but it does seem like that's a changing point where she becomes more one of the characters mm -hmm, and she mm -hmm. becomes less of an NPC. Like suddenly yeah. she has agency over what she's doing. Mm. Whereas before it was just the world was happening around her mm. and it didn't matter. That's interesting. Cause she chooses to follow him then doesn't she to the warehouse yeah. and gets involved in the next shootout. And yeah, I like that sense that she, she transitions from like a, from a, from an NPC, from a nobody, from just somebody who exists in this world to an active participant, mm. an active member. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's just the way that it happens is like it. It wasn't necessary. No, agreed. You know, especially as we've we've put him in again, we've put him in this position where he's he's our hero, mm. maybe. Yeah, um, but he's protagonist. Has, but yeah, with yeah. Hero, yeah. <laughs> He has been like trying not to, as I say, mm. trying mm -hmm. not to hurt innocence. And all of a sudden we get this, mm. even though he's been trying to protect her all this time. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. fit, does it? And that's why no. it stands out. Absolutely. Yeah. Tonally, it doesn't fit. Yeah, it's a shame. I think it's probably the only misstep in the movie because mm. I think all the other moments we've already discussed and we may go on to discuss are all very deliberate. They're all there for a reason. They're all there to be provocative, whether you like that kind of thing or not. They're all there with purpose, whereas this just feels like a misjudged moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's no need for it, and it doesn't really make sense. Mm. And, you know, those two things combined, you just walk away going like, well, I don't, 
I don't even understand why they did it. I don't understand what they were thinking when they did it. Mm. Like even like, you know, 2022 lens, but even like the lens of then, it doesn't mm. really fit. No. And it's going to be interesting because she's obviously back for the sequel. So when we come back to talk about that, mm. her role in that, but also we get Bai Ling in the sequel as a very sexualized, flamboyant character. I don't know if you remember her in the sequel. Only very vaguely. Mm. So whether they double down or whether they learn from their mistakes, I can't quite remember. But I know obviously like we kind of double our female focus to an extent. And there are more women actually in the the sequel than that even. Mm. She becomes kind of a main player in the movie. But I can't remember whether they kind of yeah double down on what they've done here or whether they acknowledge that misstep and because some of the scenes much like sequels and i think in a meta way in rank two are kind of repeated aren't they yeah on a spin cycle yeah yeah it's like it's um i don't know how would you how would you phrase it in a video world it's like the second world Mm. you know you're doing a lot of the same beats but in a different setting yeah that Um, world yes yeah super mario yeah, two, absolutely. Yeah, 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 <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't remember much about about that. Uh, I, I don't remember much about Crank 2 in general. Mm. So it is going to be interesting to see how they learned from the first one. Mm. Mm. We'll see yeah, if they learn anything. I'm not sure. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely more offensive. But whether yeah. that's, again, in the way that we want it to be or not, I guess we'll discover in a few weeks' time. Yeah, I'm excited and also scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is a really cool moment in the second car chase scene, in the one we were just talking about when Eve's giving Chev a blowjob mm. that I absolutely love. And it's again, it's a cliche, but they're playing with this cliche. You get it in Fast and Furious, not with a blowjob because it's a bit more family friendly, <laughs> but you get that kind of like no look driving stuff that people do. Yeah. So I think it's in Fast and Furious 2, especially you've got Paul Walker's character, Brian, doing like a no-look yeah. drive because he's giving um, Eva Mendes' character like the eyes and he's showing off. In this, Jeb's got a lot going on. He's being chased by bad guys shooting him. He's trying to dodge people because he doesn't kill innocents, as you said. He's having sexual gratification, but he also manages to do a no-look gunshot out the side <laughs> window and totally wreck the car that's coming up beside them. It's a really cool moment. It was a really cool moment. It was like single shot, not a care, done. Mm. It's, yeah. Again, video attempts. It's like a, a quick time event. You know, nice. it, it slows down. Yeah. And you got to press the button at just the right time. And yeah. then you see the wreck behind you. It feels like his, you know, it's like Indian Raiders. It's yeah. like, it's like Chev's, that's Chev's cool moment, isn't it? That he gets. Yeah. Because a lot of the rest of the time, he is kind of, like doofusing, bumbling along because of what his body's putting him through. Mm. He's not he's not a cool character, I wouldn't have said. No, no. He he's obviously like he's obviously good at what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's not doing it like I'm trying to think of another he's not James Bondy. No. You know, as much death and destruction as James Bond can sometimes cause. Mm-hmm. He does it in, you know, a cool way. Um, but he's definitely not. He's like bumbling through, like staggering mm. around and just about managing a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. You know, things just happen to go his way. Yeah. But yeah, that that was his moment. Mm. What did you think of the stunt work in the movie in general? That was a cool car stunt, but I mean, 
we get stays on bikes we get mm. running punching fighting shooting and generally what did you think generally i think it was really well done i mean apparently he insisted on doing most of the stuff himself mm -hmm. which is impressive which i think is true of most productions he's on if they'll let him yeah i mean that again like bow down to anyone who who mm. willing to do that and bow down to stuntmen who do do that but yeah it was it was they tried to do a lot of different things mm -hmm. and they managed to pull most of it off which is saying something mm. like they do I mean, you probably get a tick list of all the stunt tropes, and I think they've probably ticked all of them off. You've yeah, got yeah. Bikes and cars and jumping and smashing and crashing and you know flying and everything. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and I think that's where we discussed at the start as this being like a showcase. Yeah. For this day, he already is an action star by this point, but the way this is filmed and the the kineticism of it. Hmm. And the fact that he's able to handle himself in all these different situations as a character, but as an actor playing that character. And I think the stunt stuff on top, I mean, there's two stunts which stand out to me. I don't know about you. There's one when you see him standing on the motorbike. Yeah. And then the motorbike crashes. Yeah. And he goes flying over onto the, onto, I can't think that, like a cafe. Maybe I, maybe I conflated the two scenes together earlier when I was saying about the Al-Qaeda moment. Maybe this is it. But he's on the bike and he he goes flying yeah, over. He crashes through the tables. Yeah, like it was definitely him standing on the bike. So either there was a hidden cut there somewhere, or he did that, which I would be surprised insurance-wise. But I mean, if he's insisting, <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty mad. Yeah, that that was that was impressive. That's the one that stands out to me. Mm. You know, to that is not easy to do mm. in many different ways. I mean. Controlling a bike without holding onto the handlebars, not easy. Controlling a bike standing on it 10 times, not as easy. Mm -hmm. Doing a controlled crash 10 times on top of that and landing and not killing yourself. Mm. That's quite an impressive one. It is, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, don't know, I just feel like the stuntman must have done the fall. But we see him done. doing a lot of the stuff in the build-up, which, as you've just put beautifully, is 10 times impressive. Yeah. I don't know. I don't no, know. That's putting it beautifully. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> the other one's the helicopter right at the end. So in the mm. after he's been to, had the warehouse shoot out with Eve, he then goes to see the doctor and his doctor and he's been on the phone to the whole way through the movie, who's come back to LA and he basically says, like, you're fucked, I can't cure you. Yeah. So Stace says, Give me an hour. Because <laughs> he's just gonna go and take out because he's found out that his boss, hasn't he, has sanctioned the hit. Yeah. So he storms just like bosses. Well, he doesn't storm. He struts into his bosses. Yeah. Stronghold up at the top of this like building. Yeah, with women in glass balls for some reason. Yeah, absolutely. I do think this is probably the, the weakest section of the movie. I don't think it lives up to what's come before. And I think that's because the pace slows right down here yeah. for people to talk a little bit. But the final helicopter scene is amazing. Yeah. Because the guy who's poisoned him who we've seen right from the start, who plays his part perfectly. It's Ricky Verona as the character. Mm. And yeah, Jose Pablo Cantillo, who plays him. I fucking hate this guy. <laughs> I don't know how you feel watching it, but that's yeah, because yeah. he's performing that, that role so well. Like every time he's on screen, he's just so annoying. Yeah. And he does such a great range of emotions in mm. so many of the conversations because the state is like really trying to get under his skin and manages it. 
Yeah. And the way that he manages to like really switch through, he's he's the one in control and then Stafe pisses him off and then he gets mm. really angry and really angry and then he calms himself down. Mm-hmm. And just he goes through a whole range of emotions just in one scene. It is really well done. Mm. So, and again, it's another occasion where I'm not sure how successful this guy is, what else he's gone on to do. He's not massively familiar to me. He's got one of those faces mm. that I feel like I've seen and stuff, but not, he's not gone on to be a star, but he does have good chemistry with the mm. safe in those scenes. You believe that those guys really don't like each other. Yeah. Yeah. And you can believe that he's like, He's an he's an up and comer. He's got like these people that are underneath him, and mm. they kind of kind of respect him. But he also knows he's hanging on by a thread, mm. and you can completely believe the situation that he's in. Yeah, nice. And th- this would be a big step for him to have taken out somebody of yeah. Chelios' stature. Absolutely, but it doesn't quite come to fruition for him because he tries to escape on a helicopter, which Chev jumps onto. And they have, I think the the fight, if you can call it that, between them is uh, the altercation is mm. not massively choreographed or or impressive. But I think that's mm. because everyone was making sure Jason Statham didn't fall off the helicopter and kill himself. Because if if behind the scenes are to be believed, he was doing that stunt himself without any wires. Mm. And it generally would be bad. If he were to fall off, yes, it's it's a scrappy fight. Mm. It's and to be fair, it's kind of believable in the circumstances. Yeah, if you could believe those circumstances, you know that he's not he's trying not to fall off a helicopter because yeah. that's not going to do him very good. But he's also trying to take control of the situation, mm. and you know the other the other guys equally probably confused about the situation. Yeah. <laughs> Thoughted one and got away. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Scrappy is absolutely right. And I guess you're right. It does fit. It's just not quite the the big boss battle you you necessarily no. expect or want. But the but the stunt work is just so overwhelmingly impressive. And you can see mm. that as a helicopter that is flying above a city. And you can see that as Jason Statham that has his fingertips on their door. Yeah. It's mad. Yeah. And which almost kind of lets itself down by how real it is mm. when he does then mm. fall. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, like, they're 10 times higher up than uh, they yeah, were a it. minute ago. Yeah, yeah. It's like a Looney Tunes cartoon. <laughs> yeah. And, the, the you know, the the earth below them isn't quite as high resolution as it was a minute ago. Yeah. and So really well done. But again, it's just that, oh. Yeah, I hear you. They should have cut. This has just come to me now. And, you know, hindsight is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Especially like, what, 16 years hindsight. <laughs> but they should have cut to one of those Google maps they had earlier in the movie. Because yeah. I love those moments because they've they've obviously just stolen those because they've had to put oh, the yeah. copyright on and everything. It's so yeah. funny. If they just had him falling with a green screened Google map in the background, maybe that would have worked better. Yeah, that probably would have fitted like the mood that they were going for. Because, mm. you know, again, the second one, puts a bit of a, a spin on the ending. Yes. Um, yeah, it would have possibly fit a bit more. But again, we don't know how far in advance they were they were thinking. No, but it, that is the kind of elevated thinking I, 
I believe they do have in the second one. I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to ruin it, especially if you can't remember. But they really, at times, just even more than this, think, yeah, well, let's do that. Why not? Mm. And it's, um, yeah, I think it hits those moments where we've had these, are there any small niggles? I think where we've had these small niggles here, I think they just decide to not not even care, even <laughs> less. They decide to like, we've had this idea. Like maybe they maybe they thought of this like Google Map idea and they thought, no, 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 that won't work. Like we'll, we'll do this instead. Mm. But um, things they thought might not work in the second one, they just go for and do. <laughs> they do have, yeah. I don't know, whether or not they had a plan, mm -hmm. you can see bits and pieces throughout the, like especially when I first watched the film, obviously I hadn't watched the second one. Mm. I have now watched the second one, watching it back. There are a few moments I was going, oh, yeah. Right, oh, yeah. yeah. Like when he's in the hospital and he just looks at the guy and says, shock me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, I wonder. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was a good moment. We could probably play on that, couldn't we? Yeah. 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 That, that was, I wonder if we could do a bit more on that. That's <laughs> an interesting yeah, yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. There are a few moments, you know, it would be interesting to know how far in advance they were looking. Yeah. Whether they thought this was one and done or whether they thought, if this is a success, then we could do this. Yeah. I've not heard if there's a, a script treatment or, or if they ever had any intentions of doing Crank 3, if I'm honest. Again, I just want them to, just because I want to know what they would have come up with. Mm. Well, like, we'll do some theorising when you come back, but when we do Crank yeah. 2, perhaps. We'll do some, maybe we can both come up with what our Crank 3 high concept <laughs> would have been. Yeah, see what what word would can we change this time to make crank free? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I did think there were a couple of um couple of moments we should talk about for the stath here in this movie. We've been mm -hmm. all the way through, but we get some tight stath buns when he's all in his hospital do. gown. Which was such a stupid moment. <laughs> like, okay, so he's in he's let's set the scene, right? In the hospital, security have discovered him because chester has told him how he can easily get some drugs yeah, yeah he has great cameo um and then you know he's been spotted by security so he decides that he's going to go incognito so he's going to put on a hospital gown <laughs> absolutely makes sense however he decides to completely strip underneath the hospital gown. yeah of course and I think the only reason he decided to do that was because a couple of seconds later, you get the rear camera view, shall we say, of him walking <laughs> away. <laughs> Very nicely done. And I, that must be the only reason that yeah. that was done. Like, I, Absolutely. <laughs> it's there for the girls and the boys. Exactly. We've got to see JCVD's buns constantly throughout his career. The state deserves his moment too. Yeah. Everyone needs a bun off. Mm. <laughs> but it does help when we do when we look at my um like jason statham tally chart with the four categories we've got mm. it helps us to to tick off i think this might be the first movie where we can tick off all four categories he gets a snog wow. yeah and he gets a shag yeah not to completion but yeah. he we get jason statham's skin not only do we get top we get buns in this movie well, yeah, buns of steel. And arguably, we, he gets slayed. He does die. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah, well, sort of. At least, at least for a short bit. Yeah. 
So yeah. this might be the, this is the, you know, I think if you, if you accept all those categories, you can say it's the first film 15 in now. Let's hit all four that we've been, we've been looking at. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. And thanks again, Mike, for the, for the four categories. Yeah. <laughs> it will be, yeah. It'll be interesting to see if there's any more where it hits all four. Mm. Yeah. Because off the top of my head, I'm not sh- sure where that would be. No, exactly. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. So that makes this the most, the most Statham Statham movie, surely. Well, exactly. We get all Statham all the time. Yeah. <laughs> in many ways. Yeah. That was funny when um, he was on the phone and, you know, you took all of it, didn't you? He goes through the checklist. <laughs> Raging hard on, check. Yeah. <laughs> I love that moment when he's stood with the crowd yeah. watching the TV, on like the news report, isn't it, of the rampage. And yeah. the guy like slowly looks at him. Like you can see the, the recognition, like that's you. Because it's a, like a photo foot drawing, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, like one a, of those really rubbish ones. Oh, it's awful. But it's also recognisable in the stage because he has such yeah. a recognisable head shape. And then he sort of glances down and, yeah, like the, well, who, who knows whether that was a realistic correction or whether that was, who, well, we, we can only speculate. But let's say it's very visible. It is very visible. And Rosie Huntington-Whiteley is a very lucky lady if, if no prosthetics were used. <laughs> Yeah, not a lot I can say about that. I'm not. Well, they used to wear tight speedos, right? So I guess we could go back well, and, um, true, yeah. and find out. Yeah, not a lot hiding. No, those. Yeah, I'm not gonna. If you do a whole episode on those videos, I'm mm-hmm. not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure I'll volunteer for that. You one. don't want Jason Statham's speedos in your Google search history, you know? no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Fair it's bad enough. enough googling crank. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> The other moment I thought, and it's a silly little thing that stood out to me, right back towards the start of the movie when he's first, I think it's in the first taxi, and they pull into like a petrol station, mm. and he goes in and he robs the place. Yeah. It's just a fun, silly little scene, which makes total sense. He's getting these like, I've never seen these things in the UK, but these like powdered energy things, yeah. I don't know what they are, lots of energy drinks. But he just seems to have a, a penchant for robbing Petra stations does Jason Statham because he does it in the transporter. He nicks an orangina in that as well. So he's got a thing for 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 Robin petrol stations. I think a discount. Yeah, it did so, make me laugh that yeah. I think yeah they had the powder. I don't know. Yeah, you know what I, that is? I vaguely remember when I was in the states hearing about these weird things. Um, you know, because I don't know. You need energy in every single possible mm. form. Um, but yeah, it made me laugh. You had those and then he went over to the drinks and very visible logos. <laughs> very visible logos, yeah. Uh, were they on board with that? Yeah. Or... <laughs> you do wonder, don't you? <laughs> was this part of the budget or was this them just being a bit cheeky? Mm. Because it's all a bit, you know, quick and mm-hmm, moving mm-hmm. around you and then just very solidly lots of them with the yeah. logos all pointing at you yeah yeah very weirdly the back of the cabinet which is very yeah, odd very <laughs> odd i'm not sure why they would stock them like that it seems strange but yeah it did make me it is <laughs> it one of those you, you get these product placements every now and then and you wonder like how did you secure this because yeah it doesn't sell it in the light probably <laughs> that they want it to although does it as well because like you need this to keep going so i suppose it is showing that it does yeah i guess it's all in the pitch i suppose yeah 
They may have missed a few points out yeah. when they went to that meeting. <laughs> yeah. In this movie, this guy's just got to relentlessly keep going. So do you feel like we could choose your product to, oh, yeah, yeah that sounds great. We won't mention he's a hitman or that no. he's on all kinds of drugs. No. or that. Yeah, yeah. Obviously don't, well. don't mention Chinatown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happens in Chinatown stays in Chinatown, eh? Yeah. Well, not so much in this one. No. No, no, no. It gets very widely. <laughs> mm. Oh, dearie me. Did you read any of the previous casting choices before the Stace secured his role? I saw two. Mm, go for it. I saw Johnny Knoxville. Mm, which I believe they wrote it for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I can kind of see why they would have had him in mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is silly and funny and gets hit around a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the other one was the cage. Yes, nice. Uh, <laughs> which again, you can kind of see. Yeah. I mean, it, it would have worked, but it would have given it a different vibe. Like he would have, like we were saying, like the Stafe, just straight face the whole way through. Mm. Mm-hmm. Whereas Cage has, you know, he has his ways of. He says things with a tongue in the cheek and a raised yeah. eyebrow, and it just would have it would have worked but it would have been a different feel. Totally. I think both would have worked, to be fair. I think Knoxville would have brought his usual, like, jackassy, wise-ass brand of mm. comedy to it, and it would have worked if that's the movie they wanted to make. I would have rather have seen the Nick Cage version. I agree. I don't know how Nick Cage would have gotten it. It would have been interesting to see, wouldn't it? Like, how... Yeah. Would he have gone full Cage? Would it have been reined in? I'm not sure. And... I was looking at what he was doing around this time because the only reason he didn't do it, I believe, is because of scheduling conflicts. Mm. And in, in 2006, he had three films that came out. He had World Trade Center, The Wicker Man, and, and then oh, actually, then I think Ghost Rider was out in 2007. So, I mean, he's probably looking back thinking, I wish I did crank. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, he's made a lot of good films, Nick Cage, and he is somebody I thought about for, the, for this project. Ah, but he's made too many films. He's that got over a hundred, so very long series. Yeah, um, and a lot of them I don't want to watch. <laughs> he owed some taxes, or he owed some exes some money for a while back there. Yeah, a lot of a lot of favors. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think the staple was the right choice in the end. Yeah, for the as you said, the kind of straight faced, relentless, driven, kinetic nature of the movie. He just he just fits that role so perfectly. Yeah, I just like think Cage doing the achy breaky heart bit, mm. almost too meta. Yeah, mm. it would have been that that would be peak Cage. It would, wouldn't it? I can see him in like a snakeskin jacket. Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah, like he would have his you know his shaky hands going. Yeah, it would just be a bit too much i think they would have to change the scene it'd be like a scene out of the unbearable weight of massive talent which you obviously had this year but Mm. 16 years ago yeah 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 (laughs) i don't think i think both would have worked and they would have completely changed the the framing of the movie but i feel like what we got was the best of the three choices oh absolutely yeah and to be fair i can't 
think of anyone who I would have rather had seen mm. in this. I just don't think it would have had the same feel. And this is very much like this film needs that feel of it. Otherwise, like just for all of the scenes to tie together. Yeah. Like it, having a different person would work for some scenes, but not others. Mm. Yeah, that's a nice way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Cage would have been good here. Knoxville would have been good there, but they wouldn't yeah. have worked on that scene. And not... yeah, yeah. It's just, I don't know what it is about the staff in this, but he just manages to get the right feel for every single one of these scenes. And there mm. are some like bizarrely different scenes in this that have to be played in completely different ways. Yeah. I, this is, I mean, again, it's like film school. Mm. Like do, do a film that shows your range. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> And and I've criticised, you know, London particularly, Tony and I criticised for its film school nature, its film schooly feeling. Mm. But here it's, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Here it is like, yeah. here's every trick in the book. I think I made a list of some of the, some of the like filming techniques I saw in it. So we have like, yeah, point of view, mm. we have like filters, freeze frame, split screen, speed ramping. We've got fake cigarette burn. Um the little blip you get coming up on the screen. Oh yeah, yeah. We obviously don't need that anymore, but they've they've put those on like exploitation style cinema, like Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez did for the Grindhouse movies. Mm. We've got the um like the CGI push-in moments when we kind of go into his body and we see like the heart yeah. pumping and slowing down. So they're throwing like all these like cinematography and these like filmmaking techniques at the screen. And yeah, yeah it could have all fallen under weight of its own pretension and attempt but somehow they just managed to pull it off yeah i I can't think of any instance where they've used something and it mm. didn't work apart from that end bit where it switches mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know from the camera to the cgi um I, yeah I, off the top of my head i can't think of any techniques they've used or any decision they've made other than that end one and the Chinatown scene yeah. where it's not worked. Mm-hmm. They've ticked the boxes and they've known where to put the boxes. Yeah. 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 How did you watch this out of interest? Where did you source it? Uh, I sourced it on the Amazon primes. Uh, okay. I, I don't own a copy either. See, so yeah, I streamed it, but I really want to buy it now. Cause I read mm. the read as well, that there's a family friendly audio dub <laughs> on the DVD. So all the violence and all the sex and all the everything on screen is exactly the same, but they had a laugh and dubbed over like the like the made for TV version. I'd love to watch that. Oh uh, uh, yeah, I'd love to watch it. just the, the ridiculousness. Yeah, that that must bring. Uh, yeah, that that is like get your friends around watch it. <laughs> Absolutely, and they're probably what it was like for them doing it as well. Like, yeah, let's just sit down and have a laugh and see what we can come up with. Yeah. We've got to get rid of 83 fucks. What we're we going to say instead. <laughs> Definitely. You can only say fudge so many times. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't know if you've got any of these from your past, but there's a couple that even when I watch now, because I had them recorded off TV. So I had like the first Terminator, I had Predator, mm. at Die Hard, that were on like really hard rotation, watching them way too young. But because they were on TV, some of them had some of the, the dialogue edited out. Die Hard is the one. I mean, for people that know me, that is my favorite movie of all time. I watch it every Christmas Eve, like religiously. 
doesn't matter what the rest of my family want to do this is happening <laughs> sorry even if i have to go to a room by myself this is you know, bye this is happening um but even now watching it with the amount of times i've seen it i can still hear the lines of dialogue as they're coming as they were in that original dub because i watched it even more back when i was a kid so mm. yeah I, I think i'd like to watch this for that it would make me tap into that feeling of who i was as a teenager discovering this world of movies yeah it would be fascinating to watch just for it i imagine it's an insight into the way their minds work mm -hmm. because with that sort of like you say like that just like um, what are we doing mm. yeah let's just go with it see what happens yeah on what exactly they come up with because yeah you know yippee kimasabi just <laughs> just not the same so how much fun can they have with this definitely <laughs> yeah definitely i have maybe i'll have to dig that out by the time we get around to crank two yeah hopefully we'll both have the uh both did yeah, absolutely i was thinking the same actually i was like check cex tomorrow and see what they've got in stock yeah. or you know hit up, hit up uh music magpie or somebody and get myself a oh, cheap yeah. copy <laughs> definitely and there are there's loads and loads of coverage of this out there as well like i don't know if you listen to how did this get made no i didn't i saw it but i haven't had a chance to listen to it unfortunately they've put all their old episodes behind a paywall now oh but they've covered both cranks which i think i've listened to at some point in the past when they were their episodes were available mm. when i discovered them and then you know made my way through and they've also got a interview with Brian Taylor, which I think I think you can get a free month or like a free week or whatever. Okay. So um, now that we've done it, I didn't want to be tainted by listening to theirs. And mm. also, you know, they are comedians by trade, and that would be very intimidating listening to their show and then having to come on and say, but now we've done ours, and we are <laughs> obviously hilarious and insightful in our own ways. In our own ways. Yeah. <laughs> I may go and listen to those, I think. Yeah. Yeah, again, it's just... This whole, the whole thing, the whole process, it, it's so weird, bizarre, off kilter, fascinating. Mm. It must have a huge cult following, right? Oh, it must do. If it doesn't, we should start it. Agreed. The crank cult starts here. Yeah. How many seeds can we get? Crank. Yeah, the cult, the Chev Chelios cult of crank. Mm. Love it. Well, um, we may get some some wrong people joining us <laughs> call ourselves the, the cult of crank yes good point <laughs> and we need to filter out those that are coming for the self-referential knowing cult of crank not the misunderstanding of no means no cult of crank we don't want yes. those people no no we definitely do not no such a shame that scene mm. it's just such a great film because it is so it knows what it is mm -hmm. And that just lets it down. We need one of those like road cuts and all these things where somebody just takes that one little, one little bit out. They can just take that bit out for us. We need like a director's cut where they just take yeah. that little. Yeah, take that little bit out and then change the ending, like you said. Yeah. Done. Done. Re-release. Break in the money. Mm. So amidst his filmography, what do you reckon? Where does this sit? Is it, is it an absolute classic, do you think? Is it one that which it's good, everyone should catch it? Or do you think, no, no, no. I, I know you don't think this, but do you think, no, no, no. Only, only a complete issue watch this movie. Where does it stand for you in his filmography? I mean, it's a must watch. It's a classic. You've got to see it. Mm. Even if you, you're not interested in stay films, watch it anyway. Yeah. 
it's just got to be done. You've got to just, yeah, you've got to. <laughs> yeah, I think I've nailed my. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to. No, I agree with you. Like we said, you know, with those other castings, it would have been a decent movie anyway. But as a Stace movie, it, yeah. it's elevated, isn't it? Oh, it is. It absolutely is. It is. This film brings everything, somehow manages to deliver everything. Mm. There's the filmmaking is great, the acting is great. Just the the small decisions, mm-hmm. like the editing room, great. Mm. You know the way that the intent, the way that they build up the intensity from the start, the way that they use the camera shots from mm-hmm. the start. Like there's there's even like these weird moments where when he's being normal, mm-hmm. they seem to ramp up the intensity. Sure. Because it's becoming more intense for him because he's slowing down and it, it becomes more stressful. And so they ramp up the intensity and then he'll suddenly be in a shootout and the intensity almost drops slightly mm. because he's more relaxed. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That's his natural way of being i suppose yeah yeah and like as soon as as soon as he slows down he knows that he's got to find some mm. way to get his heart rate up so the intensity builds because he's stressing himself out and just the way that they've managed to flow through the film and all the different mm. you know the feelings as well it's just so good in so many ways and it, it has no right to be this good. <laughs> no agreed there's so many ways this could have gone wrong and for, for us to be picking apart one or two tiny moments, what one it one's a tiny moment with the movie, but it's a big problem. But mm. but it could have been a film littered with those problems. And I think probably some people that watch it think it's a film littered with that many problems. Yeah. But perhaps much like the the South Park that we've mentioned before, you're either on board with it or you're not. And if you're not, you're really offended by it. Oh yeah. If you look through the reviews on various places, <laughs> it's like it's you get your tens, your nines, yeah, a few eight sevens, sixes, and then ones. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. There's a high proportion at the top, high proportion at the bottom. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you're one or the other. Yeah. Okay, so this is a classic. That's interesting. So of the fifteen films I've done so far, that means there's been six classics now. Um. So that's Lock, Stock, Snatch. Blake picked the one as a classic. Because it's that first like kind of kick on, I think, for his action career. Mm. The transporter, transporter two, and now this. So it's interesting that we've had this, as you mentioned, we had that really peak start with Lock, Stock, and Snatch, and then yeah. really it's these action movies where we see the gradual statheness being utilised and celebrated. Yeah, he's. This is where like the world is finding him. He's finding mm. himself, and he is finding his natural place mm. in the order of things mm. because this is where we need him. This is where he belongs. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Just before I let you go, I'm going to delve into a couple of letterbox reviews. Oh, if you don't yes. mind. Can't wait. Okay. So I've got one from Nadine Smith and she says, if Goddard spent a week huffing Axe body spray, he would make this movie, which Short, sweet, simple, but absolutely nails what is going on in this movie, I think. Because it does have that, like, enfant terrible, as they were called, these, like, mm-hmm. these guys back in the day. It has that sense of, like, ripping up the rule book and doing whatever you want. But in a 
sort of acts links body spray way i think it's so so spot on it's so yeah. clever very good yeah that's that's pretty spot on <laughs> almost as clever as the film itself eh? well, yeah. lou i'm gonna i'm not getting him i'm not saving him to last today because he's not overly keen on and crank hmm. he says i've never been a big fan of crank the action isn't that great and the comedy isn't that funny hmm. but as a vehicle for statham to get weird it's not bad that's all he has to say, which is very disappointing. Yeah, that is disappointing. I mean, I do agree that people say this is a funny film, mm-hmm. and there weren't moments. There weren't many moments in there where I was, I actually laughed out loud. Like mm. this is a bonkers film. Like this is ridiculous in many, many levels. But the funny moments are like a huh. Yeah, it's kind of like, wry, isn't it? Then laugh yeah. out loud. Yeah, so I get what he's saying, but yeah, it's a shame. Mm. thought there'd be more there we can't always agree on everything can we well no i suppose no uh friend of the show and previous guest marcus says a non-stop barrage of batshit insane carnage pure adrenaline fueled fun what i found interesting about a lot of the reviews that that i I looked at in that box list a lot of them are like kind of these short sweet snippets as if it's like a representation of the movie itself like it moved past a million miles an hour and it's 80 minutes and it's in and out and it does what it does. These kind of reviews seem to reflect that. Yeah, that's true, actually. As I say, I kind of had a quick look at some of the other ones on other websites. I didn't want to look at, at that particular website because I knew you would. Mm. Um, yeah, there's, especially IMDb, mm. there's a certain type of reviewer sometimes on IMDb. They did seem to be slightly absent. Oh, really? Okay. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, mm. I think... It does invoke that kind of, I mean, we've kind of disproved it. Because, you know, <laughs> Talking for nine minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it does kind of invoke a, I was going to say wham, bam, thank you. It's not really the right phrase to use. After I that. know what you mean though. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think probably the people who write long reviews are the ones who feel like there's a lot to say that they don't like. Mm. Whereas if you're on board with it, it's like, yeah, this was great. Oh, and this and this. Go watch it. Yeah, that's true. All right, one more. This is from Joe Lynch, and he says, pure, uncut, sin, Amar, with a s. Movie still holds up as the most adrenalized, punk rock, un-PC, fuck you to cinematic convention. And I'm always Gatham for Statham, but Chev Chelios is one for the ages. That's the guy I'm vibing with this week. Yeah. Yeah, he's on board. (laughs) Yeah. We're with him. Yeah. You know what you're on about, Joe. Brilliant. I have to say, I did um I did mention this to you earlier. Mm. And I'm gonna have to tell people if you want a roller coaster ride, where is it? Go onto the IMDP page and look at the trivia. Because this is this is the most bizarre trivia page I have ever seen. <laughs> Any I'm nuggets gonna, you want to drop on us? Well, I'm gonna read you like the highlights. Lovely. Starts off, Jason Statham did all of his own fight and car stunts. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's a great um, great little trivia point. In the restaurant scene, when Jason Statham was explaining to Amy Stark what he did, her hiccups were genuine. Nice, nice trivia scene. Um, let me find <laughs> this particular one. Talks about the A and B cameras. A non-stop action film, only a single explosion occurs, which I hadn't thought about, but that's actually no. true. Is that oh, when the man. motorbike, the crashed motorbike explodes? 
I don't think it is. I th- I th- think it's a car, but I can't remember when exactly. Hmm. I'll um, have to watch it again to find out. What a shame. Yeah, we'll have to. And then this, just to highlight <laughs> the, the bizarre nature of this trivia page. The writers and directors never acknowledged that the influential independent film Run Lola Run, mm. in particular, its visual style, may have had an influence <laughs> on the film. <laughs> so this trivia is that the writers and directors have never acknowledged that something may have influenced their film. Rude. Rude. It's disgraceful. Yeah, it's disgraceful. Amongst the other... I mean, we we did talk about that, but amongst the other like kind of million influences that are out there, we didn't talk about Grand Theft Auto. We know that definitely is an influence too. Yeah, that's definitely an influence. Well, this is basically the Grand Theft Auto film, really. Mm. Although that's not first person, is it? Is it? No. Uh, no. That's open world walking around. Yeah. I'm not a gamer. People may be able to guess. <laughs> the original ones were top down. Yeah. The newer ones are third person. I there are a few moments where you can go first person but mm, it's not okay. the point of it but yeah it's uh, just a trivia section <laughs> very strange <laughs> when chev shoots the gangsters in the crashed car following the chase scene mm-hmm. he fires his gun in time with an england football charm <laughs> one two one two three one two three four that famous charm yeah football supporters would end by shouting england and then it finishes. Mm. Jason Statham, who plays Jeff, is an English actor. Oh, is he? Yeah. I mean, thank God he is English in this and not doing that bastardized American <laughs> accent. But yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. I just, I had to mention it because I I watched the film and then I read this trivia page and I think this was more bizarre than <laughs> the film. <laughs> I think we could go back and watch that scene and disprove that bit of trivia. If I'm perfectly honest, that cannot think, be true. That can't be true. But there, no, that can't be right. No. Well, we've got a little project to do when we finish recording here. Yeah. <laughs> if you're hearing an addendum afterwards, we're yeah. like, yeah, all right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, oh, well, thank you for sharing those with us. They are bonkers. You are not wrong. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's just, you know. I thought I'd make everyone join my roller coaster ride on the craziness of there. But IMDB, you are a font of all sorts of interestingness. So thank you. Always. And in fact, I don't know if you caught on our Discord, I think it was on Discord earlier or yesterday, that Dan, Spider Dan, has been uploading some of his own trivia mm. recently. So it's a free for all. Anybody <laughs> that feels like they have an interesting piece of trivia. It's up there. So the next when somebody's doing Terrify and they're going like, what a bonkers list of trivia there is for this movie. It's all because of Spider-Dan. Yeah. Well done, Spider-Dan. Mm. I hope he had some great things in, like the director has never accepted yeah. that this may have been <laughs> an influence. The main character in Terrifier is dressed like a clown. So it <laughs> may be they were influenced by Stephen King's It. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Yes. It is interesting because I'm going on all sorts of tangents now. IMDb does have like a connection section. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. as you say, the list is very long. Oh, is it? Okay. Of the influences that, you know, yeah. they possibly could have had that is massive. I bet. Yeah. 
Yeah, but fitting for this kind of movie. And I think absolutely, I'm sure they'd happily acknowledge all the things that oh, inspired them, including yeah. Run Lola Run. Yeah, if it did, maybe, maybe, possibly. They just haven't said it yet. Sure, one day. One, One day they'll admit it, those bastards. Yeah, and then someone can delete that trivia. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. I know you're a busy man, so it's great to have you on. No, I, not at all. I think we've had a lot of fun discussing the bonkers and this movie, and it's only going to go double down for, uh, for crank high voltage. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on, and to everyone out there who wanted to be in this position sorry not sorry yeah exactly i know no you may have had some more interesting and highbrow things to say but i got in there first so yeah (laughs) this is not an interesting highbrow film that's not what we're here for no this is my level (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's not quite what i meant but um (laughs) i think i think you you'll hear i think the compliments in there somewhere hopefully yeah hopefully (laughs) absolutely so this is due out on the 7th of November. And as a man with many podcasts, can you tell people what they may also be listening to around that same sort of time from your good self? I can in just one moment. <laughs> I have a list. Yeah. Well, you need a list. I do need a list. 7th of November. It's at least three on the go now, isn't it? It is. Yes. Um, so on, so yeah, 7th of November on Era of Geek, you'll be able to hear Glyn. Um, oh, lovely. Oh, often contributor to VHS Strikes Back. Had mm. the pleasure of talking to him. Um, so that'll be a lovely one. Great. He's due with me. At, he's due with me in the future too. So oh, it's nice to see him emerging into our world. Yeah. We will absorb him in, we will, oh, that was going to go really creepy. On <laughs> um, no means no, Paul. <laughs> we'll always have Chinatown. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, in a couple of days' time, in Comics in Motion feed, uh, Dan and Blake will be doing the video games draft. Oh, nice. That is a fun one. There is some cursing there. <laughs> um, and hopefully around this time, I'll have someone on a Dummy's Guide to Geekdom talking about Namor because the okay. film will be releasing around that time. Of course. Namor. So I'm hoping I can find someone between now and then oh. who is willing. There's got to be some candidates for some deep Namor knowledge. Oh, yes. Uh, to be fair, I'm sure there are like a dozen people I could ask mm. and they would jump on. I'm just not organized enough to have asked them yet. Well, you've been too busy organising those other two podcasts yeah, so far. True. Yeah. <laughs> Plenty to look forward to then. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you to everyone who has come onto the show and who I have now sent in your direction to listen to you. Mm. Can't recommend listening to all of those shows enough. There's just, you have such a wide range of people on that you mm. always make it feel comfortable and get the best out of. Oh, that's very kind of you very kind of you to say they do all the hard work i just sit back and let them talk uh, and then subsequently do all the hard work oh well yeah mm. that is true but that's the boring bit the interesting bit is this bit talking to wonderful people but without you editing it put out there then we'd never get to hear it well that is true mm. 
Look at you being nice. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. So what was I said at the start? Like super smart, super generous, super something. I should be saying super self-depreciating. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I had to stop myself from continuing there because otherwise we would have been on a loop for half an hour <laughs> with me saying no. <laughs> and you saying, yes, you do something, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> we'll keep building you up. You keep tearing yourself down. But as long as we can get some more building, uh, eventually we'll come out at a nice height. Yeah, I don't actually. know where that metaphor was going. It got totally lost <laughs> part way through. Thanks we again, mate. Yeah. And thank you everyone else for listening and partaking in this journey with me through the stage filmography. That was Crank. And then next up in a fortnight is In the Name of the King. I think my last day for me that I haven't seen. It's a doozy. And that's going to be with Spider-Dan and Angry Andy. And it's going to be followed shortly thereafter by War with the 20th century geek himself, Scott Weatherly, for anyone that is watching along. I've been I'm Jack's Musings, and that's J-A-C-S, and you can find me on Twitter where I'm most active. You can also contact the show directly on Twitter under the name Back to the Filmog. Make sure you use the hashtag Follow the Filmography. This show has been presented to you by the Pop Grillids, a collection of hive minds who provide spoiler-free reviews of anything from pop culture in less time than it takes to listen to a song. I'm also a proud member of the Comics Emotion family, a super place full of the world's greatest people dedicated to bringing you podcasts on a variety of geeky topics. So please make sure you take the time to search, subscribe, and rate our shows whenever and wherever you listen. Until next time, be excellent to each other and make sure you take the time to treat yourself too. I am Jack signing off. Yippee-ki-yay, movie lovers. Like you always do? I don't think so.